Welcome to The Giving Leader. I'm Phil Ling, the host and the founder. It's season two. First of all, thank you to everybody that listened to season one. We had literally thousands in the first few weeks download some of those episodes. So thank you very much. It's time for season two of The Giving Leader. My first guest is Josh Gagnon. Josh is the founding pastor of Next Level Church. It's an 11-year-old congregation. It started in New Hampshire. Now they have locations in Florida. Four to 5,000 folks a weekend are showing up. Fascinating conversation with Pastor Josh Gagnon from the Next Level Church. Also in February, he has a new book coming out with Thomas Nelson called It's Not Over. So look for that. But right now, let's spend a few minutes with Pastor Josh from Next Level Church in New Hampshire and Florida. Back on another podcast, second season, it's The Giving Leader. You're listening to Phil Ling. I'm the host and the founder. My guest for the very first episode on our second season. First of all, I got to take a commercial. Thank you very much. Uh, several thousand of you, like 6,000 in the first few weeks, downloaded our, our episode when we started uh, last season. And now we're into season two. We're just talking to Christian leaders, folks I know from around the country, um, about their ministries, what they're doing, how they do it, and hopefully you walk away with a few nuggets that might be helpful to you. My guest, unusual to me in so many different ways because of what he's doing, he just doesn't know it's impossible to do it, so he's doing it anyway. Uh, Pastor Josh Gagnon, he founded about 11 years ago Next Level Church in New Hampshire, but it has since added some locations in Florida around the Tampa area. It's Next Level has been uh, identified by Outreach Magazine as like the eighth fastest growing church. He's got a new book coming out on Thomas Nelson. It's not over is the title. We'll talk about that as well. I want to talk about his multi-campus stuff and some weird thing he does where he teaches on Thursdays and they play it on the weekend, which I think is fascinating. But first of all, Josh, thanks for carving out some time. Thanks for having me, Phil. Good to be here. Thanks for all you do for, for God's kingdom. Hey, honored, honored to hang out with guys like you. If you live a long time, you meet a lot of guys like you. So I'm old, I've met a lot of people. We've been we've been spitballing back and forth for about what thirty five thirty minutes just hearing all these stories. You're like a you got so much you you, you know you know all kinds of stories. It's amazing. I, I am Kevin Bacon. I'm six <laughs> degrees of separation <laughs> from everybody that's in ministry. Some are infamous, uh, but I am still connected. Hey, uh, give me just a thumbnail sketch. Eleven years ago, you planted the church. What led to that? Why? First of all, you didn't know that New Hampshire, New England, you can't do church plants because they know they don't work. Yeah, that was the grace of God. We had no idea. Yeah, 2008, we started Next Level Church. And I say it was pretty much on accident. Um, it really wasn't the, the way that most church church planters go about it, especially in today's day and age. You know, church planting is a pretty hot deal. And uh, in 2008, I'd never read a church planting book a day in my life. I had never raised money. Matter of fact, we raised no money to start Next Level Church. Uh, which you would say is, is not a good game plan. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually you need some. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we we really had no idea what we were doing. I didn't go to Bible school the traditional way. I took classes online once I felt called to the ministry. And so, yeah, we uh, I was I was in college playing basketball, doing my thing, came home. My mom said, hey, listen, let's go to, go to church together. Went to church. Next thing you know, I'm running a soundboard. I'd, I'd never run a soundboard before, but I could breathe. And they were like, 
you know, are you willing to serve? Why not run the soundboard, right? Why not get yelled at by everybody in the church? And so I ran the soundboard, started a small group, and I and, uh, was taking Bible courses. And somebody said, hey, listen, have you ever thought about uh, starting a church? And up until that moment, I sincerely never in my lifetime even thought through the idea of a church starting, let alone starting one. I never even, never even walked walk through that mentally. And so, yeah, we, we, we said, well, not really, but we can think about it. And I started um, meeting in my house in our basement. And the next thing you know, it grew to a point where we rented out uh, a high school. Actually, we rented out a little movie theater first, and then we rented out a high school, and we officially launched Next Level Church. And had about 180 uh, people probably come to the first experience, um, and then it shrunk down to under 100, and, and it just pushed uphill, and uh, I've been kind of pushing uphill ever since. And so, yeah, I say it's okay. kind of on accident. Well, give me, first of all, just for those that are listening to us, because wh- when I was the young guy listening to programs like this, I always wanted to put it in context. So fast forward, you start that um, following God's lead 11, 12 years ago, today, Number of locations, number of folks showing up on the weekend worshiping. Just give us a snapshot. Yeah, uh, we have 10 locations. Um, we're building um, a couple others right now. So we really feel passionate about the multi-site model. It's just something God's blessed. Do I know that he'll continue to bless that model forever? I don't know. But right now it's something that's working for us. Cool thing about us being multi-site is the first weekend I ever stood up, I had never known a multi-site church, never heard about it once again, never read a church book before. And I had told Next Level we were going to have many locations. And so the whole idea of multi-site was something that God had put in my DNA. I'm just more of an entrepreneurial type thinker. So that was in my DNA. I didn't jump on a I didn't jump on a bandwagon. It's something that we were called to do. And so multi-site for us is deeply in our DNA. So we have 10 locations, uh, anywhere from... Uh, 4,000, 5,000 people in the summer can drop below that. In the uh, Easter, we had 9,200. So on the big weekends, we can jump way above that. And so I try to just pretend uh, all I remember is Easter numbers, and I'm able to say a little bit. Yeah. Well, a friend of mine always says, take it on the average. You know, you, you throw out the low, you throw out the high. Take it on the average. You know, what's the average? And I, what I always tell the average church is that if you got 4,000 showing up on the weekend, you got at least 8,000 to call it home. You know, they're, yeah, they're not there. Uh, so your your footprint is significant no matter where we put you in North America, but especially when you look at New Hampshire and start to go from there. So, but you're also like I'm talking to you right now, and you're sitting in Florida. So you're you're, you're reaching down into Florida, which number one means for those that are listening, you're doing the video model because um, some satellites have just live teaching in all the different locations, but you're doing the video model. And you got the Florida thing. How'd that door open? Yeah, we, we uh, early on in our first year of ministry, I had sat down with a group of pastors. And I've always kind of been that guy at the table that said things and everybody laughed at me. And, um, and probably at times it was because, you know, they probably saw it as arrogance, even though I didn't portray it. I didn't think it was. But I was sitting at a table and some older pastors were there. We had just started Next Level. We were growing. And so... Uh, they knew of us and they said, you know, what's the plan for next level? And I said, well, we want to have locations throughout America. We're really looking, really want to launch some locations in the South as well. And they literally all looked at me like I was just a complete jerk, you know, like, <laughs> give me a break, kid. Get out of here, you know. And so, you know, it's been an early, early desire for us. I just don't, I, you know, the spirit of God isn't divided by state lines. This multi-site model allows us to go places where where we have family members and my wife's family is here in Florida. 
and we wanted to start a church. Um, her, her, her dad's given his life to Christ. We've baptized him. We have a little bit of influence here. So we wanted to start a location here. And, and once, once you're in a region and you've seen this throughout, throughout America with, with, with Life Church and some other wonderful churches who are going all throughout the country and around the world, once you have the model, the DNA and the culture in place, really, does it matter if you go four hours or if you go 1400 miles? The answer is no. You know, we have several locations two hours away, some locations four hours away. And of course, Tampa, is 1400 miles from the broadcast location but we've learned that anything over an hour anything over an hour is no different than something 10 hours 12 hours or 20 hours away it's just it has to be driven by culture it has to be driven by dna structures and systems and so yeah we we came to tampa just about maybe over a year ago or so um and you know we're building it here um expecting um matter of fact we just put an offer on a facility here uh, and so we'll see if they, uh, I mean, we don't have a ton of cash and so hopefully they'll bite on it. We went in low and, uh, and uh, we'll see what God does. And so that's a little bit of that story. I really feel passionate and God's going to do great things in the Tampa area over the next 10 years. What's the biggest, right, let me preface this. Uh, when I was doing a stint working in the Billy Graham association, uh, I hired a very sharp young guy. And the reason he was looking for a job was available is he was part of a plant to do a satellite in Pennsylvania with Andy Stanley's church. And it had failed. And I always told everybody, Andy, Andy wasn't big in Pennsylvania. <laughs> but, uh, but when you look, you know, Andy's Andy and they got to have great success, but not everything is successful. So when you're doing the locations and you're doing the sites, what are the crucial pieces? Is it campus pastors? Are those, is that a crucial piece? Like, what are you looking for? Yeah, I think just uh, culture, culture carriers, people who are going to infuse culture within the locations are the most important thing. And so for the Florida location, we sent one of our executive leaders who had been with us uh, for the entire journey. He came on, we were about four months old as an entire church. So he's been with us the entire journey. And so we sent him here. That's why I spend uh, some time here, you know, making sure that culturally we're building the same thing. Because the reality is, is we talk a lot about vision in the church world, which is funny because we go on these, we get on these hot words, right? For a long time, it was like vision statement and mission statement. And you go in every church and everybody's got their mission statement or vision statement on the wall. Now I'm not against that. Okay. I'm not against that. So don't go rip it down. But but what I think is funny is, is vision statements are meaningless if you don't have a cultural foundation to build off of, right? And so there's plenty of people with a the vision. They just don't know how to build a culture that the vision can carry off of. And so for us, when it comes to starting a location, there's, like, there's, there's a few things we look for. One is the faculty. And the faculty would be the people who carry the vision. So it doesn't matter if they're in the broadcast location or 1,400 miles away. What they breathe, what they think, what they say, how they smell, what they see represents who we are. Right, culture is that thing that you can't put your finger on, but it exists, right? And then you've got faculty, you've got, of course, facilities. And so we're looking for open doors with facilities, the not just permanent, but portable facilities. The reality is, is, is a bad facility will kill any dream. You know, I mean, yeah. bad facilities gonna kill any any good preacher, and then and then uh, of course finances. It's like the tricycle, right? You need finances to to do it, and and um, and we run. You know, maybe our idea of success might be a little bit different than some. You know, we don't feel like we have to have a thousand people at a location to call it a success. We feel like actually, as the church continues to move forward and, and into 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 future days, we have to understand that. The rooms with 2,000, 3,000 in them at one time are probably going to be a thing of the past. 
I think uh, smaller smaller rooms with smaller amounts of people done many more times is probably what's going to be catchy. You know, I was talking to my team about this yesterday, actually. We were talking about maybe someday it's all online church and just small groups throughout the week in people's homes. Like, where does this end up going? I just know that there's no church in America that would say um, that numerical growth is something that's easy to come by. And, and the reality is there's a lot of numerical growth in today's day and age with social media, Phil. As you know, it really comes from the hot guy or the hot church, you know, the, the, the church on social media that's blowing up, taking from all the other churches, right? Because social media has this magnetic field to it, right? So how many churches are, are really growing numerically through new life change and discipleship? Well, definitely some, including Next Level. But are we growing exponentially through that? Yeah, I mean, we get plenty of guests and we get a lot of salvations, but it takes about two years to get them to come four weeks in a row, you know, so it's, it's, it's a battle. Yeah, yeah, the average is 1.8 times a month. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so, and, you know, if that's average, that means there's a whole lot less than that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, I, yeah. I tell guys now, cause you know, I, I, when I planted back in Seattle a hundred years ago, it was, you know, pre social media. So, you know, we weren't, nobody was, email wasn't driving your church. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't have this, this, this web presence. Now I think there's so much more to it. I think you're right. Just like a hot restaurant that can start to trend. People can sample you. People can look at you. People can see what's happening across the country without bailing on the church they're attending. Uh, and, but then there's also the pressure I think on the, on the guy that's communicating is that they can be listening to verdict that day and before they show up and it's like okay now now you're compared to completely different things yeah uh and on what that experience is going to be so i i think you're right i think if we're not careful when one balloon goes up there's a whole bunch of other little balloons going down and the and what works i you know with all my clients like over the last 20 years most of them have multiple locations so that's a, a continuance but there's so many different. So you, the people like you, which have the video venue with the, the teacher and it's broadcast in multiple locations. I've got others. I've one up in Northeast Ohio, this church about 8,000 and they're all live teaching at about six locations. And yet they're, it's collectively under one body and one, one leader. So what's going to work? I think I do tend to be more in your camp that most communicators can't do a two or 3000 size room that is a that's a completely different animal and so the 500 room and multiplied that experience and dynamic in multiple locations multiple times uh flipping it a lot easier probably works um yeah. you know with with the i guess there's so many different things that work it's what works with the the most people yeah. you know the the most guys can lead it the most guys can pull it off so yeah. I, what i've learned a long time ago is when somebody says satellite, it means something completely different to everybody. Hmm. And, and how are you guys doing it? One of the nuances that you're doing, which I think is fascinating. I've told your story since I talked to you the first time, a whole bunch of places. Um, you show up at one of your locations on Thursday evening and you have a, a full house and you teach. And then that is the message that's going to be in all the different locations that following Sunday. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Thursday how'd you night. stumble on? How'd you stumble on that? Well, we uh, we looked into um, 
you know, we were multi-site. So what I first started doing is I was teaching to an empty room during the week and then our locations wow. would get the empty room teaching. Well, you know that you want to, <laughs> you never want to teach again. Every time you do that, every time I'd finish, I'd say, I'm never doing that again until next week where I needed to do it again. And so, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not necessarily a, you know, we got teachers and preachers. I think we have those categories, you know, and I'm more probably on the preacher realm. So put me in a room with nobody is hard for me because I kind of feed off of what I feel like uh, people are, are, are experiencing and the spirit of God is leading. And so, um, so we went to Thursday night experiences where we said, okay, let's do a Thursday night that gives our, our team enough time to turn over the video, to edit it and do all that they need to do without pushing them, you know, to the max. And so uh, I teach on Thursday nights, like you said, there's a, a full room, uh, most, most Thursday nights. And, um, and, uh, that gets, played back at every location on Sunday. You know, we've looked into doing live and, and, you know, we've worked on our communication ability. So most people think it's live until they hear uh, these type of conversations. Uh, most people think it's live and, 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 you know, we don't talk about tonight. We don't, we never address, uh, you know, uh, issues that are that current to make sure that we don't break the fourth wall, you know, the, the, the wall. And, you know, so we're just very careful with our communication, but most people, if you come to next level, if you were to come to next level and someone were to ask you at one of our locations, was that in person today or was that uh, playback? You would not know how to answer that. Matter of fact, I come out to the band even every weekend. So the band is on stage with me and I'll come out and I'll kind of close out the music set. Now all locations do the same songs. So I'm closing out the music set at every single location. Um, so it's very cohesive. Everybody's doing the same thing. And so you wouldn't know if it was in person or if I was um, and just financially, we felt like that model for us in this time and this day and age was just a little bit easier to afford than the model of trying to go fiber and go live everywhere across all locations. And then when you're in certain movie theaters, some locations, the timing is off, right? So you're doing weird times at certain locations. You can't get your own internet access at some locations. So for us with our model, um, recording it on Thursday night, playing it back on Sunday across all locations. One, it allows us uh, financially to have more flexibility. Two, we can launch locations all over without having to worry about internet. And, and three, it allows me to, on Sunday now, to be able to go teach where I want to teach. And so I'm able to, to um, teach here in Florida at times, teach at other locations at times, and then teach at other churches at times. And nothing gets missed at Next Level Church. Okay, this may be just a minutiae question. But when you show up somewhere on a Sunday, does anybody know you're going to be at that location? So I never show up if I'm if I never show up on a weekend where I'm teaching from broadcast. Um, okay. I would never show up if I were teaching that weekend on a broadcast. I'd only show up if it was in location pastor weekend, where okay. about six times a year we have our location pastors teach. Um, don't get me wrong; some of our location pastors will teach more, but that'll be at the broadcast location. Um, we'll be giving them some 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 reps at, at the broadcast location. So. Um, in our broadcast location is not a ginormous facility. Our broadcast location, you know, um, seats 470 people, I think. And so it's not a big building. It's about 15, 16,000 square feet. We maximize it. We've had it's our first building ever. And uh, we do multiple experiences. So our model from day one, we're in the least church region of America in New England. And so our model from day one is, is, is let's go into every community. Let's be a life-giving church in that community. And some churches in our communities, if you're 300 people, man, you're the biggest church they've seen in a century or maybe ever. And so that's kind of our model is a little bit different in that reality where some of our locations are bigger, some are smaller. Um, 200 is kind of our, our bare minimum. We try to say anything under 200 might not be able to pull off our model just as far as excellence goes and kids, you know, kids programs and so on and so forth. 
what's, uh, what are you dreaming about next? Uh, well, we're, we're dreaming about the uh, Florida location, getting a permanent facility. Uh, we're okay. opening, a, opening a location, another location in New Hampshire in a place called Belmont. We're opening that this fall. Uh, we're excited about that. Um, you know, I think just, just, just continuing to figure out how we can remain healthy and still, um, you know, expect God to do great, great things in the future. There's this balance, isn't there? It's like you want to be driven, but yet again, you don't want your drive to pull you away from health. And so for us, it's, it's we want to continue pushing the ball downfield. I would say I've probably pushed it downfield often too fast as a type A personality. I've had to learn here over the last, you know, five years or so. I've probably grown to, to say, okay, wait a minute, maybe, maybe I'm pushing the ball too fast. Um, and, and, and ultimately that's, that's potentially holding us back. And so it's been a, it's, I would say what I'm dreaming about now is just the continuation of launching locations and, and seeing God grow his church. Of course, I'm, I'm um, you know, launching a book or I launched a book. It's not over. And so I'm excited to see God use that book. Okay. Tell me the book's coming out. Is it, has it come out or is it coming out this month later? Um, the book releases, I don't know when you're airing this, but the book releases on the 25th of okay. uh, February. Okay. Of February. Okay. Uh, the book is Thomas Nelson's a publisher. It title is it's not over author. When you start Googling and looking for it is Joshua Gagnon. Uh, tell me what led to the book. Yeah, well, <laughs> the book kind of has its own little death and life story in and of itself. When you're pastoring a church that's growing, you know, an agent reached out to me. He's like, hey, man, have you uh, thought about writing a book? And this is about three years ago. And I said, yeah, I've always wanted to write a book. All I do is build content, you know, at the end of the day. And, and then as a teacher, as you know, you get up, you preach it, right? You thought it was great. You know, only 50% at best of the people heard it, and they're never going to hear it again. And if you use it again the next year, then you just got no good material that's being new, right? So it's like this, this, this you get off stage and like, man, that was great. And no one's ever going to hear it again. And so I always wanted to write a book because you can put the material out there and, and, uh, and it can stay out there. And so an agent reached out to me, thought about writing a book. I said, I've been thinking about it, but you know, here in New England, man, it's hard to grow this thing called a platform, which every publisher's desire you know, desires you to have. He says, that's no problem, man. Let's put together a book proposal. I know people, blah, blah, blah. We'll get this done. And so he went to work. I put together a book proposal. He sent it out. And, you know, every single publisher got back to us and said, no, 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 no. So just no, 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 no. And finally, all, he, he emails and says, all the leads have dried up. Everybody says that there's no way that a Christian book coming out of New England, the least church area, will succeed. It has the lowest amount of uh, Christian purchases per capita. You know, it's, it's the least amount in our country. So it's a super risk for them to sign uh, onto an author in an area of the country Christian books don't sell. And so I was like, well, you know, I can understand where they're coming from. You know, I get business. I was like, well, that's a pretty good business you know, decision. So, but I, but I got in the, in the shower that next day and just started crying, man. If I'm being honest, just laying on the bathroom floor crying like, God, why? You put this passion in my heart. You stuck me here in New England. I've been faithful to your call. You put this desire here. I thought you opened the door, God. I didn't chase that down. I didn't call an agent. They came after me. I thought this was you, God. And, uh, you know, a year later, I got a, I reached out by a guy named Alex Fields, who's a, a great, a great agent in, 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 in the Christian world. And, and uh, he says, hey, have you thought about writing a book? <laughs> and I said, uh, I didn't say anything for a year. I didn't get back to his email. And then finally, I wrote him back and uh, I said, hey, man, I can't put this fire out. I can't put this fire out. And he said, well, let's put this thing together. So we put it together again. And uh, we got six large uh, publishers that, that wanted the book deal and uh, 
to God be the glory. And so this book really is driven from that type of reality where inside of all of us, we have these dreams. I don't care what age you are. I don't care where you're at. And when I'm talking about dreams, I'm not talking about just those crazy things like, you know, let's go start this huge ministry. Let's go end world hunger. Those are great dreams, great dreams. I'm talking about the dream in my heart to overcome insecurity or the dream in that, that, that other leader's heart about overcoming insecurity or a marriage being restored or continuing to pray for a family member, your child to be healed when it feels like that dream is dying because you haven't seen any movement. I think the word dream has become manipulated into a word where it means like, if you're not going out to bring clean water to the world and you're not dreaming, but there's a lot of dreams in us. And then there's the dreams around us. And I think both are equal. And so this book is built around the reality that it's not over. Um, you can leave behind the disappointment because the reality is, is, is I used to pray bigger prayers for next level church. I used to pray bigger prayers for Josh Gagnon. I used to pray bigger. The problem is, is the experiences of my past have talked me out of the hope in the future. The, the, the reality is, is the scars of yesterday's unanswered prayers are now the skeletons of what I today pray. And that's something I'm trying to, to, to hopefully help people recognize is just because yesterday wasn't what you hoped it would be doesn't mean you need to minimize tomorrow what that can be. One of the, I think it's fantastic. Uh, one of the uh, questions I often ask a guest, especially those that are preachers, is uh, who do you listen to? Is there anybody that you listen to, anybody that uh, you like to uh, learn from? Yeah, I try to listen to people different than me. Um, if You mentioned Stephen Furtick. Um, if I listen to Stephen Furtick, it could be dangerous for me. Um, just simply, just um, so certainly by no means am I saying I teach like Stephen Furtick, but, um, you know, passion and, and excitement. And, you know, that would be somebody that I would want to listen to because I can relate to him very well. Right. So what I try to do is I try to listen to people that are completely opposite of me. So I never listen to Stephen Furtick um, as, as much as I love him and as much as I think he's doing just incredible things for Jesus. If I listen to him, I'll sound like him. Right. And so I try to listen to people I know I won't end up sounding like because I certainly don't want to take on someone else's identity in the midst of, of what God's called me to do. And, and some would say that doesn't happen to them. Maybe I'm just not mature enough or whatever that looks like, but it seems to happen to me. So, um, you know, I, I'll go and, and, and listen to people um, that, that are, are extremely different than me. Um, Bible teachers, um, when I'm researching online for sermons, um, just looking at people who are completely opposite of me, maybe people who read from text and just kind of dissect scripture line by line. And, and it's, it's those type of voices that I pour into myself. And, and I mean, when it comes to preaching, that's what I listen to. Um, as far as when it just comes to life, I try to surround myself with, with sidekicks and heroes. I call it that in the book. I say there's four different types of relationships in the book I talk about. I talk about there's vampires in, in this chase towards our dream, whether it's a, a big dream on the outside or that dream of overcoming something in the inside of us. There's these things called uh, zomb uh, vampires, and vampires suck the life out of us. And I said they're all they're they're in all of our lives. And uh, vampires are those people when you talk to, you just get done the conversation, you just feel empty. You're like, I don't know what just happened, but man, I have less life than when I first started that conversation. And then I talk about how there's zombies in all of our lives. Those are people who are taking us down wrong paths, just the desires to destroy us. You know, they're, they're, they're winking at us at the office. They're giving us attention that we shouldn't be receiving. Zombies take us down the wrong path. And then I said in our chase towards seeing those dreams, we're going to have sidekicks. 
And sidekicks are those people that come alongside of us, uh, those people that do life with us. Not yes men or yes women. They're, they're people that, that, that speak truth to us. I always say never allow someone to speak into your dream unless they're willing to sweat into it with you. And so I think that that's kind of my, my definition of who can speak into my life are people who are willing to sweat alongside of me. And then there's heroes. We talked about Gordon McDonald uh, he, he, before we went live. He's, uh, he's a hero of mine. Uh, Craig Groeschel, uh, Mark Batterson, who forwarded this book. Um, I could go on and on about heroes. Now, heroes are people who are living the life today you hope to someday live tomorrow. And so I think it's wise to put heroes in our life, people who, who we can aim our arrow towards. And then there's, there's sidekicks in our life doing life with us. So um, I listen to voices that don't sound like me, and I listen to the voices who are sweating alongside of me. I, I think that's fascinating. I, I like how you categorize it in the four different spots. Um, I've never heard it articulated that way. I had a friend, David Grant, used to always talk about people that walk around with an umbilical cord looking to plug in, you know, <laughs> and, and it completely suck you dry. And then I, I, the, I do think uh, the old movie Crocodile Dundee, show my age, you'd say, who are your mates? Hey, that was my who first movie I ever watched. That is hilarious. In a, mo- right? in a, movie, in a movie theater. That was my, fr- I just told my parents that last week. That was my first movie ever in a movie theater, Crocodile Dundee. Well, that scene, the, the best line I think is when he says, who are your mates? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who are your mates? You know, who, yeah. who are your buds? And then the, the heroes, I always say you, you've got to find somebody that's further down the road than you uh, so that you can learn from and aspire and follow, but not so far down the road you can't relate. Yeah. Uh, you know, that it's, it just doesn't compute. And don't you think that's a problem today? I think it's a problem in our culture. We have, once again, I hate to be this guy who talks about social media like it's a bad thing. It's a wonderful tool. But I think that's a big deal in our culture today. I talk to so many young pastors and church planters and church leaders, and they're wanting to go, uh, they admire, right, these, these, these leaders in our country that they follow on social media, and they should. The problem is, is they're hoping to get together with that leader and sit with that leader and learn from that leader. And I want to say, right. you're not going to learn a thing from that leader. They, they are so far removed from, you can't pastor a church of 500 people and think that you're going to learn a ton from someone pastoring a church of 25,000 people. They're, they're, it's just a different, they're, 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 they're beyond, they're not in that way of thinking anymore. Correct. It's one. Well, it's, it's uh at every level of leadership, especially in the local church, it demands different skill sets. And sometimes you grow and refine your skill sets. Sometimes it's a Peter principle where you reach the level where you can't. And it's like, okay, find your sweet spot, you know, bloom where you're planted. Uh, but, you know, when you're, when you're trying to find those, I, I, I really thought it was interesting when you talk about listening to guys preach. It says, you know, I don't want to listen to somebody that, that I might find myself in an unintentionally you know, mimicking a little bit. Uh, and I get that. Uh, I, I like to, you know, in the day I would like to watch uh, TD Jakes yeah, because, because he's, because I'm nothing like him, you know, I'm the, the white guy with the Chinese name. And, uh, <laughs> but I'd watch TD and after about 30 minutes, I'm like, I used to think I could preach, <laughs> you know, and after 30 minutes listening to TD is like, okay, I can't not at all. I mean, cause yeah. it's just so, it's so, so different. Furtick, very similar. I used to tell Steve, uh, early on, I said, you're a skinny white guy that preaches, preaches like a 1950s black guy. Yeah, uh, he is. You know, it, it, he's, he's channels that, that, which you cannot mimic very easily. Andy Stanley, you know, he, he makes everybody think that they know him. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, and, but I, I do think because of social media 
And because of so much that's out there, if you're a preacher somewhere in the United States or anywhere around the country or the world for that matter, there's no excuse for you to not find people you can learn from. Yeah, it's true. And, and there's no excuse for you to not have good material. There's good stuff that you can glean. Yeah. Uh, uh, Leroy Lawson would, would tell me make, about making sermons. <clears throat> uh, you can you milk a lot of cows, but you make your own butter. So, you know, you, you can get stuff, you know, from folks all over the place. Um, so who we're talking to, just in case you uh, forgot, you said, who was that guy? Well, that's Josh, Joshua Gagman. Next Level Church, church he planted 11 years ago that is already 4,000 plus on the weekend. I mean, and that's cool. And we call nickels and noses because that's important to kind of know who we're talking to. But in 10 locations, multiple states and how they're doing it, I find quite interesting. Go find his book. No excuse. You can download it. Thomas Nelson comes out the end of February. It's Not Over is the title. And once again, his name, Joshua Gagnon. Josh, you got to come back. Man, we got to do it again. I'd love to come back. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. You're a good man. Hey, that you've been listening to The Giving Leader. I'm the host, the founder, Phil Ling. Check us out at thegivingchurch.com, and you can download a book that we have for free there. You can also check into our podcast of the past and see what other folks that we've talked to. Stay tuned, and I do appreciate you being part of our team. Thanks. My thanks to Pastor Josh from Next Level Church. Uh, fantastic guy is doing a, leading a great ministry. Make sure you look for his book, the new book, It's Not Over, from Thomas Nelson, just coming out in February. Outreach Magazine said it was the eighth fastest growing church in the United States, Next Level Church, first starting in New Hampshire, then spreading down into Tampa, Florida. I appreciate the time when you come in, tune in with us at The Giving Leader. I'm Phil Ling, the host and the founder. Make sure to go to our website, thegivingchurch.com. We have a free book that you can download there and more information about what we do consulting with churches and ministry around the country.